just to reintroduce myself, my name is Mark Bishop. I'm the Associate Minister here at St. Paul's. And um, we are, uh, we're in September. We're in September. Uh, I always know this uh, moment because my birthday is just gone. Uh, yeah, 31st of August, for those who want to put it in their diary. Uh, I can give you a list of presents next year. That's absolutely fine. Uh, so <laughs> it was my birthday on Thursday. Uh, it's my son's birthday next week. Very exciting time uh, in the Bishop household. And, uh, and we have moved house. Uh, my family and I, um, yeah, we have moved, and um, that, there's a whole load of stuff. If you are brand new to SPS today, uh, I really recommend you go, we, I can show you this later, but on, on our YouTube channel, there was a, a talk that uh, Phil and Philippa did um, in July. Phil is our rector. He's currently at All Saints Poplar today. Uh, and Philippa is our curate, um, one of our curates. We have many curates, all of them excellent, uh, at different stages in their training to be priests. Philippa is up at St. James uh, the Less in Bethnal Green today. They did a little overview of things that are going on kind of uh, in SPS and really in Tower Hamlets uh, at the moment that we as a church, along with other churches, are part of. Uh, God is doing something amongst the churches in Tower Hamlets and uh, in the Church of England. Thank God as part of that as well. Not exclusively. Did you know that the church across the world is not just the Church of England? Uh, good. I just always have to check that because, you know, I'm a priest in the Church of England and uh, sometimes it can be all consuming. But uh, the, the body of Christ uh, is bigger than any one church. We are one church made up of many little churches, aren't we? This is the joy of unity um, and of bearing with one another in times of difference. Uh, we want to choose to be generous with one another. Uh, we want to bless uh, not just our congregation here, you, uh, but we want to also be a blessing uh, to the rest of Tower Hamlets. So that was a long way around. Please go back and watch that talk if you want to. I'll give you a real snapshot of that. Um, and coming into this season, uh, my sense kind of prophetically is just that this, this is a real, this is a significant season shift. It's a shift for me and my family. We've just moved home. Uh, that is all part of the Tower Hamlets kind of uh, strategy. We are beginning to establish a house of prayer uh, for Tower Hamlets. We're going to be doing that living out of Stepney Green, uh, an amazing property there that uh, we're getting our hands on now. Um, and there's a load of exciting things uh, that are bubbling up. But I also really feel, and I want to preach into this today uh, as we look at our passage, that for many of us individually, this is a the time of season change. You know, I know there's some marriages coming up. Uh, and uh, uh, there are some babies like uh, that are being incubated right now. Uh, yeah. Um, and... Um, uh, but, but it's, you know, so there's some obvious things, but there's also many things for all of us, right, that are not so obvious. Things that God has been, like, helping us hold, uh, maybe for years, uh, that in this season he might begin to speak into or we might see being birthed. Breakthroughs that are happening in our life that we have longed for that might be coming in this season. 
Uh, and I'm not here to say that God's going to do all those things definitely this season. I'm here to encourage you that between you and God, you, have, you can establish the maturity to discern, God, what is this season for me? And therefore, because we're doing that with the Lord, we don't just do that individually. It means something for those around us. Therefore, we can say, what, God, what are you leading us into as a community in this season? What does it look like for us as a church here at St. Paul's Shadwell? What does it look like for my school community or uh, for my street or whatever it might be for my family? God, what are you saying in this season? Uh, and uh, we've been looking through the summer. We've been going through the lectionary, uh, which is essentially the, uh, the prayer reading plan for the uh, Anglican church across the world. And uh, we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings. And um, next week is going to be a bit more about vision uh, and what have you. But I, I've got one of our kind of last uh, Matthew passages today. So I'd love you uh, to turn with me to Matthew 16. And we're going to read from verses 21 to verse 23. I'm just going to find the reading here. So Matthew 16, 21 to 23. This is, the, um, this is the ESV, so in your translation, it might be slightly different. From the t that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned, and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, it's a very powerful reading. Some would say this is not one you want to be given to preach on. Uh, mainly because it's got the word Satan in, right? And people freak out when you say things like Satan. Uh, and, uh, and it would be really possible for me today to explain to you the word Satan, for us to look at uh, all of the kind of depiction of evil within the New Testament and the paradigm that Jesus brings us into. Uh, and it's important that we acknowledge that the New Testament and the Bible narrative is one that acknowledges a spiritual battle going on to today as well as then. That we are not a people who are at peace, we are in a, in, at war. There is a war going on. And uh, as we begin to read this in the New Testament, it's actually very helpful because it makes sense of what Jesus was coming to do. He was not coming just to bring peace, although he brings the gift of the peace. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit great way of knowing that God's right here. Uh, but also, uh, he comes to fight a battle, to conquer evil, uh, the ultimate fruit of which is death. So Jesus comes to defeat death. And so Jesus isn't afraid of the language uh, that, um, that explains uh, evil. He's not afraid of it. And uh, so he uses it uh, in different places. But to us, it's a shock. I won't, I won't lie as if this is all easy for me. Uh, it, it's a shock. It's like, because it jars the worldview that we live in. 
You know, it's, it's not uh, normal language for us. You know, it, this is not a phrase that I encourage being used in my own household. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to teach my kids to just, if something goes wrong, get behind me, Satan. Because I don't want to over-spiritualize uh, things that actually are just about the grapple of life. But here, Jesus just jumps in with Peter. And I'm going to try and just, first of all, unpack a little bit of the context of that. Uh, and then I'm going to look at uh, what it meant for, G- for Peter to, uh, to be starkly reminded by Jesus that, that, that Peter did not know Jesus fully at that point. He needed Jesus. He needed, Jesus needed Peter to redefine who he thought he was. I don't mean who Peter was, although part's part of it, but Peter didn't understand who Jesus was. And then I want us to kind of get to the place where we can also invite Jesus to help us redefine who he is. Because I guarantee you do not know Jesus fully yet. That there are parts of him that are a mystery, but will serve you in the seasons that are coming. So uh, let's look a little bit at context uh, first. Uh, and um, yeah, critically here uh, in, in this passage, we're, we're at a real kind of like tipping point in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, I wonder if we could have the slider. Would that be? Yeah, great. Uh, you can look at this lovely uh, sketch here. I highly recommend to you the Bible Project, uh, bibleproject.com. Uh, there is, and then look at their YouTube um, channel. These guys uh, are doing an incredible work of uh, helping us to study the Bible. And right here, you could get really lost in this uh, wonderful sketch. This is like the last bit of a video that sketches out this whole thing with a lovely uh, narrative uh, that helps us get into some of the structure and the themes uh, and the, uh, the theology of the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, where we are, chapter 16, is falls right at this crux moment uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. A lot of things have happened, and a lot of things are about to happen. And right here, uh, in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we have this encounter uh, with Jesus, Jesus and Peter. Peter who, you know, it's always Peter, isn't it? Poor Peter. You know, like, it's always Peter. If there was something to go wrong, you know, like, it was Peter. If there was a lamppost on the street that they were walking down, it would have been Peter who walked into it, you know. He's that disciple. And, uh, but he's also, to us, the example. You know, he's the archetype. He's the, the one who we can say, oh, that helps me understand what I might be like sometimes. And here is Peter right in the middle of Matthew's gospel and Jesus, and they're having this encounter. And for Peter, Michael Trainer preached last week. You should go back and watch that preach. We have him in this in-between moment, even in chapter 16, just before he's said to Jesus, Jesus has said, who do you say I am, Peter? And Peter said, you're the Messiah. I know the, I know the answer to that one. And Peter, good day for Peter, this one. Uh, he's like, Jesus is like, yeah, that's right. Now don't tell anybody else. Uh, and so Peter's just had this, 
And even in verse uh, 17, you know, Jesus then has said to Peter, this incredible founding statement for Peter, which Peter clearly doesn't understand fully yet. But prophetically, Jesus has said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Essentially, the renaming kind of, you know, moment, the definition moment for Peter. That's verse 17 of chapter 16. And then verse 23, get behind me, Satan. So Peter is on this like real roller coaster with Jesus, even in these passages. Also, just next, just to kind of like, you know, a bit of a spoiler, just round the corner is the transfiguration, where Jesus selects Peter as one of the few disciples who comes with Jesus into a place where literally Peter is about to hear the audible voice of God. Maybe for the first time, because we don't know exactly if, Jesus, if Peter was at Jesus' baptism. But, but Peter is about to go up Mount Horeb and about to be there in this incredible kind of divine encounter at, at, at the transfiguration. So right in the middle of those two things, Peter having absolute clarity, Jesus, you are the Messiah. And then... Over here, like incredible physical experience of Jesus and his father uh, in, a, in an incredible divine encounter coming next on the transfiguration. Right in the middle, that's where we are today. That's the context that we're in. I wonder if we could take the slide down. Not, I mean, you could look at that for hours, and that's partly why I just want to kind of get your attention back. Um, please go and look at thebibleproject.com. It's brilliant. Uh, so much depth uh, to be plowed. And uh, so right in the middle is where we are. Now, okay, the word Satan means uh, enemy or adversary. That's what its translation is. And again, we find Jesus in this place where he is very open about a spiritual battle that he's in. And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to kind of fully go down explaining um, all of the worldview stuff, the spiritual battle, the fact that, uh, you know, we encounter uh, this and that that is part of Jesus' work. But I am just going to, like, draw the distinction that Jesus is not saying to Peter, you are possessed by a demon and uh, now we need to do some deliverance on you. But he is saying, you are being influenced by the enemy of God. So don't, don't get freaked out by the language, but also don't miss the, the, the seriousness uh, and the authority with which Jesus explains this. He's saying, be careful, Peter. You are being influenced by the enemy of God. He's saying it in really strong terms, obviously. And then he goes on to say, because you are seeing things through your own eyes, not through the eyes of God. You have your mind set on the things of man, not set on the things of God. And this is a defining moment for Jesus. He's already spent about two years with the disciples by this point, And he's only just begun to teach to them the reality of where he is going. The reality that he's going to go to the cross, that it's going to involve suffering, uh, that actually the way of victory over death and evil and Satan 
is, might not be what Peter and the other disciples are expecting. And that's part of Peter's context, that he is surprised. You know, Peter thought the Messiah was going to be uh, somebody who essentially was the leader of a small army and who with violence would overthrow the temple authorities and retake Jerusalem. That is the context that Peter was in. He was ready. He was saying, I'm ready, Jesus. Give me a weapon and we are going that way. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. But Jesus has just started to reveal to the disciples, no, this is not going to happen through us doing violence to others. This is going to happen through violence being done to Jesus. And Peter couldn't grasp that. You know, it's so interesting for Jesus because, you know, he's at a really vulnerable point because of that. In Isaiah 53, we we get a glimpse of what Jesus was trying to explain. I actually think with many theologians, I'm sure Jesus was quoting Isaiah 53 to the disciples when he was saying, this is what has to happen uh, to the Savior, to the Messiah, that he would have to suffer at the hands, that he would not be... Uh, this uh, this violent um, overlord, but he would be the Lord who gives his life for others. And Jesus, you know, who never comes uh, with this, w- comes to us and says, ah, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to like make it all really comfortable and really fine for you. Jesus doesn't come to Peter in that way, but he comes with his which he always does with the disciples, which is he always comes to raise the standard of what they are able to do with him. So it's not surprising that, that, again, like the next kind of bit of teaching is take up your cross, disciples. Deny yourself. This is the way that salvation will come. This is my way, he is saying. So first of all, this was a redefinition for Peter. This was not the Messiah that Peter was expecting. This was a different, uh, different uh, Messiah. Uh, the Bible Project really brilliantly summarizes uh, the values of the upside-down kingdom of God. And for Peter, this is his like redefinition that's going on. He needed the kingdom of God and the king of that kingdom to just be redefined in his mind. Um, that was what Jesus was trying to lead him towards to say that this is not the way you should set your mind. You need to set your mind like this. This is the way we define it. And in the kingdom, the main values summarized really in Matthew's gospel are this. Number one, getting honor by serving, not by being served. Number two, not taking revenge, but by forgiveness. Gaining, uh, number three, gaining true wealth, not through money or accumulation, but by giving away. These are the like three radical uh, kind of anchors of the, of the kingdom. Getting honor by serving, not being served. Getting even, not by taking revenge, but by forgiving. And gaining true wealth, not by accumulation, but by giving away. And this is challenging, right? 
This is, it was challenging then, it is challenging now. This is not logical by the world's standards. When we think in our own ways, this, this is not logical. I tried to like start listing a few narratives of our world. You might have your own uh, that really kind of, um, that you war with. I wrote down these. If I have enough money, I'll be happy. Anybody ever kind of thought that, felt drawn towards that? Yeah? Uh, because, you know, I've walked through St. Catherine's docks, and some of those boats, I think they would make me really happy. You know, they, they really would. Uh, if I'm in a romantic relationship, then I will be of worth. Yeah, because we, we taste romance and love, don't we? And we see it portrayed in so many different ways. But in those moments where we don't feel like we are the center of attention for somebody else, we can end up questioning our worth. If I am successful in my job or in my gift. Anybody thought that? I like to paint a little bit. And uh, I mainly paint pigeons. Yeah, it is it's slightly weird. I'm really aware of that. And I, I'm really, I've got even more aware of it in our new house because... Uh, I realized how many paintings of pigeons, like the, like the, re the removal guys had to wrap. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about, there's something uh, really revealing when you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Like some other people have uh, really looked at all our stuff. And what picture does that really add up to? Uh, but, you know, I'm like, I'm quite at home with being awkward these days and weird. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be able to stand up here and uh, preach. Um, but uh, what does it mean for you? If I am successful in my gift, I, you know, there are moments where I'm like, oh, there's an amazing painter of pigeons called Adele Renault. And you must go and look at her work. There, there is a piece of hers up in uh, plaster. You see, I, you think I'm joking. I'm absolutely serious. Just up the road from the Wotherstones, uh, there is this incredible uh, piece of work on the side of a, um, a row of terraces, uh, and it is the feathers of a pigeon. And it's one of the most beautiful things that I've seen. That's the kind of art that I really like. You should go and I'll tell you more about pigeons another time. Uh, there's so much to say about pigeons. Uh, <laughs> but what does it mean for you? Maybe your gift is not painting pigeons, although you, sh you should try it. You should try that out. Uh, what is yours? Is it, oh, if only I was like, you know, free to be a brilliant musician. If only I was free to do this or that or the other thing. Do you know what? I think there's a flip side to those of us who are, are more drawn to like money or romance or success. There is also other narratives of the world that aren't necessarily the same as the kingdom. One of them might be this. If I blend in and keep my head down, then everything will be okay. If people don't notice me, then I will be happy. There's other ones. If I have enough, then I, then I can be generous to others, rather than being able to be generous to others with very little. And there's, a, a, I think, something that kills community, uh, that is so, such a lie from the enemy, and it's this. What I do doesn't matter. There are these narratives in our world that we need redefining. And Peter was the same. He needed to get to the point where uh, he could understand better what the kingdom of God values really meant for Jesus. 
that for Jesus, he would get honor, not by conquering uh, with violence, but by serving and giving his own life. That for Jesus, he would not uh, gain victory over death by revenge in, a, in, uh, in a, some kind of like um, plot uh, like that, but he would do it by, by taking on the guilt of others that in order that they might be forgiven. And for Jesus, he knew that true wealth was giving away his own life so that we might have the richness of eternity with him. Now, this is challenging stuff that Jesus uh, like has uh, like running through his ministry. You know, f- for Peter, he had to learn once again that if he wanted to follow the servant king, he himself had to become a servant. That he had to be the one who didn't say to Jesus, oh, I can bring you all my power, Jesus. You, you know, you don't know what you're talking about right now, but don't worry, I've got it sorted. Uh, and Jesus says, no, Peter, this is the way it will happen. But we also need redef- redefinitions of, of Jesus. You know, I have a friend who has this really challenging phrase. He says, sometimes we have to let go of the Jesus we know in order to find the Jesus that we don't know yet. And for some of us, because of religiosity or just our upbringing or whatever it might be, we cling to to this sense that, oh, it has to be like this. And sometimes... And don't get me wrong, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Like, we have truth in Jesus. There, there is this, uh, this plumb line in Jesus, which I'm, I'm not suggesting that that is what changes. But there are parts of Jesus' character and parts of his life and ministry which we need access to in new ways in different seasons of our lives. You know, uh, <laughs> uh that we were, t- we were sat around the table uh, this week and uh, we were chatting with the kids uh, about a funny thing to do with a text abbreviation. Now, I'm not going to go down, there are lots of text abbreviations in the world these days, right? Uh, and emojis and all sorts of things. And, you know, for certain generations, it's very baffling. Very baffling thing, abbreviations in texts. I remember uh, my mum, who's, uh, you know, sh- she is... She abbreviates things like she's still got like a, a Nokia kind of 720 or whatever it was, you know, uh, the, the, the phone that had sn- the game Snake on it, you know, which was my first phone. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, my mum abbreviates things like for hello, she will put L-O, like she's Swedish or something like that, you know, trying to translate into English, L-O. Uh, but there are obviously official ones, okay, yeah, right, this is right. We were talking about something with the kids that I'm going to get to, but um, I just thought I should refresh myself on some of these abbreviations, these definitions uh, for text messages, FYI, for your information. Yeah, well, this is FYI, some text abbreviations. Uh, Thanks gets put in lots of different ways, doesn't it? TA, T-A, could also mean thanks a lot, I guess. Uh, TX, thanks. There are lots of rude abbreviations as well, which I'm not going to mention uh, right now. Uh, TBH, to be honest, yeah, anybody use that? Yeah, 
Okay, this is good. This is good. Uh, and uh, LMK, let me know. Yeah, good. This is good. I can see, literally, for some of you, that you're right back in school. This is education time. Uh, for others of you, you're like, Mark, we can't believe you're so old. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody else uses this, but uh, I like GTK. Good to know. Yeah, GTK. Yeah, this is also GTK, FYI. Uh, A-F-A-I-K. As far as I know, yeah. I didn't know that one before I researched this whole project. Yeah, really lovely one. Um, and, of course, we all know LOL. Yeah, laugh out loud. Oh, <laughs> oh lots of love. Well, yeah. Interesting, right? Because I think this what there's a whole generation where it just means laugh out loud. And let me tell you, there was a mum. And she was, uh, her daughter was at university. And her daughter texted the mum. She texted, she said, hi, mum. Just so you know, Peter, the boyfriend, and I have broken up, sad face. Mum texts back, so sorry to hear that, lovely, LOL. Yeah, because for another generation, we know, lots of love, lots of love. But for other people, it's laugh out loud. It's terrible, right? This, th these things happen. Um, and uh, in response to that, we can say R-O-F-L, rolling on the floor, laughing. Yeah, you can use that, R-O-F-L. That, uh, that is an official one. All that to say, definitions are really important. And for us... Uh, I think there is this need for us uh, to redefine what it means to walk through life in the Jesus way, which has to acknowledge that life is hard, that we are a people who know what it means to suffer to one degree or another, and that we need for ourselves to redefine the fact that God is with us in times of great pressure. I listened to this great talk, uh, uh, and a few years ago, um, uh, a low, an amazing lady, Melissa Helser, who's a worship leader, and she talked about redefining pressure. And uh, sometimes we need Jesus to redefine things, and she gave this testimony and she said in response to it, um, maturity looks like giving God more and more permission to reframe and redefine things. This is the kind of maturity God invites us into. And when you really know the Lord, you want him to come and give you feedback. This is what she said. To discipline you. Parent God who you know loves you so much, he will speak to you about change. There is in this encounter that Peter has with Jesus, this wake-up call, firstly, that Jesus was a different type of Messiah, one who could cope with suffering. And secondly, that, that Peter needed to address uh, the fact that he couldn't see Jesus in quite, quite the right way. And for us, I think there is the same tension. And so Jesus uses this amazing phrase, for you are not setting your mind, Peter, 
on the things of God, but the things of man. Peter was at this like pressure moment. And Jesus was at this pressure moment. And essentially, they both rebuke each other. Peter, you know, Matthew uses the word. Peter takes Jesus aside to rebuke him. And then he doesn't say that Jesus rebukes Peter, but I mean, that's a rebuke, (laughs) right? And so you have both of them doing the same thing, both in pressure situations, both feeling the need to, to rebuke, to say something about, no, you're not getting it right. And, and in that, we know that Jesus brings the wisdom of God and puts a light, shines a light on the things of man. You know, that phrase, set your mind, gets used in a, a couple of other places in Scripture. Uh, it gets used in Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. In Colossians 3, 2, it says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And this is the challenge to us. That true maturity in Christ involves us learning that Jesus is able to walk through suffering with us and pressure with us, and that actually within that, he is able to bear great fruit. Now, don't get me wrong. I I don't think that uh, illnesses or diseases uh, are things that are from God. I have eczema. I've talked about that before. I've had it all of my life, and uh, it's a small thing in comparison to many other people, uh, but it has certainly, in my life, uh, taught me some things uh, about suffering. And I don't think I realized that until more recent years because I was just getting on with it. Uh, but, but, I, but in my living with something uh, that has shaped uh, me, that has deeply affected my mental health at different points in my own life, Uh, I have grappled with, God, what does this mean? And uh, when I was uh, about 11 years old, uh, I I just couldn't cope with the fact that God didn't heal me when I was prayed for, that I I walked away from God and I didn't come back to faith until I was 22. And I refused to pray in that time, which is interesting for somebody now called to lead a house of prayer. Uh, And... um, and I, do you know, I also, I also didn't cry during that time. And, you know, most times when I get up, I'm on the verge of tears. So, you know, you, you all know. But, but living with suffering, which many of you will understand. Like, I know some of you who, who have chronic pain or uh, you, you have various things that I know about. And, and there's, there'll be so many other things that I don't know about, of course. In this encounter with with Peter, I think that we can find hope for what God is able to do with us. You know, and I refuse to embrace my like skin disease, but I absolutely want to embrace the pressure that it has led me in and the discovery that Jesus is right there with me in it because he knows what it was like.
Romans 5, 3 to 5 says this in the Passion Translation. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will, re, uh, will re- redefine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. When we set our minds on the things of God, we are able to glimpse what it means to be a people uh, who do not shy away from the reality of our broken world and our broken lives, but who, through the power of forgiveness of sins, through the power of Jesus Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit, are able to be a hope to the world. Now, when Jesus says things casually, uh, like, you are the light of the world, uh, or, um, you know, you are a city on a hill, this is what he means. Not that we would be a people uh, who do that, ignoring the realities of our world, but a people who, despite that, know that Jesus uh, is doing work and is able uh, to move in our time. And it's hard. It's hard because we see God break through at different moments and then we see things not happen. And we get to see the battle being won at different points. And then we're like, is it really being won, Lord? Look at what's happening in that country or in that policy or whatever it might be. One of the first things that happened to me when I came back to faith at 22, I was in a prayer ministry team and I prayed for a lad uh, and, uh, and he was healed of eczema. Like, and it was one of the most joyous and difficult things I've ever experienced. Because this very thing that I live with, God was able to heal him from. But it reminded me, and it continues to remind me of the battle that we're in, that is worth fighting. And also that our definition of God is, is not based on one thing in our life that we, that, we, that we long for, but on a whole gamut of things which make up the character of God. That there are parts of Jesus that we are still yet to discover uh, in the seasons of our life. And that we can, with perseverance, continue to discover and hear Jesus through those seasons. I want to finish uh, with um, uh, a little kind of prayer and an exercise uh, for us. In Matthew's gospel, this same encounter that Peter has with Jesus uh, starts with Jesus um, turning and seeing his disciples. He looks at them first, and then he rebukes Peter. And I realize in my own walk that all of this, being able to uh, walk with God, who may well give me feedback uh, about areas of my life that he is not satisfied with yet, that all of this comes from being able to know the way that he sees us. That he is the father who loves us, first of all. That he's the father who sent his son to die for us. That we might be forgiven at the cost of Jesus, not at our own cost. That we are worthy of love. 
and that we are a people called by his name. This is the God that we know. This is the God that we can trust. This is the God who asks us to persevere and to continue to walk with him. So I've brought with me, uh, I've been moving a lot of furniture this week, and I've brought with me this mirror. Carrie, uh, earlier this week in our, in our team meeting, uh, had a picture. And uh, it was of something very big covered with a sheet. And as the sheet was pulled back, it was a huge wardrobe with a mirror on it. And the mirror in this picture of hers had the ability to show people the way that God saw them. Now, I couldn't find that wardrobe in the physical. Uh, so, uh, so, but I did find this mirror. And, uh, and I wanted us to be able to finish by asking Jesus to redefine the way that we see ourselves, to see ourselves through his eyes. So I've already talked about some different things, that uh, we are beloved, that we are of great worth. That we are a people who are called. That you have great purpose. That you are somebody who is able to persevere. These are just some of the things uh, that, that God speaks over us. Ways that he sees us. So right now, I just want us to take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more. You might want to just look at the mirror as a way of a visual uh, kind of cue for you. You may want to close your eyes and just imagine uh, that, that picture that Carrie had from the Holy Spirit this week of uh, a wardrobe with a mirror on it. And I would like us now to just take a couple of moments Band, you can come up if you want to uh, at any point now. But let's just take a few, a few uh, moments just to wait on God. I'm going to pray uh, and uh, then just leave a little space before um, we move into worship. Just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you have your eyes set on your purposes, which are the salvation of the world, the renewal of all things. Thank you that you went to the cross and gave your life for us, that we might know this power of resurrection and forgiveness. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are gifted to us by Jesus so that we might be able to receive things and see things like Jesus does. So I ask now that you would, for each of us, show us the way that you see us.
as if we were standing in front of that mirror. Would you show us how you see us? Would you correct, Lord, any false ways that we see ourselves? Any lies of the enemy? Any lies of the world? Would you undo any of those narratives of the world that have shaped us wrongly? And I pray especially for the ways in which pressure and suffering may have shaped us, drained us, hurt us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to reveal to us how you see us, where you are with us. like to invite you all to stand. Uh, if, you're comf- if that's comfortable for you, uh, you don't have to. Uh, but we're going to uh, sing together. And um, as we sing, uh, and bef- just as we come to a close in the service at the end of that, before we do that, I, I just would love as we sing uh, for you to really be able to be free Uh, to receive some of the words of the song. So you may start just by singing. That might really help you. But you may want to listen as well. We're going to sing, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And and this, this is the heart of worship, that Jesus is with us and that he is worthy of praise. So Lord, we thank you. And as we sing, we pray that you'd continue to minister among us. You'd continue to give us eyes to see as you see, that you would set our minds on the things of God, not upon the things of man.